Last time on Front Row Rugby, I was involved in a fascinating conversation with former Springbok captain Lars Boerter. Let's continue with part two. And then, of course, the tour ended at Twickenham with a test match against England, who, of course, were the World Cup runners-up just uh, a year or so prior. And South Africa played really, really well. The Springboks were leading at halftime, as I recall. I mean, I was just a little boy, but I remember watching it with my parents. And then England just came back and blew us away in that second half. What do you think went wrong in that second 40? See, the thing is, are we talking rugby or are we talking the bigger picture? You know, uh, it, it can be a number of uh, issues. I think if, you, if we had a psychologist, for argument's sake, he, can, he would give you totally a different view on the whole performance. Um, I think, I think at, at that stage, um, let's put it this way, and I think to be fair, everybody tried his best. Okay? And that's it. Nothing else to it. Um, if you ask me uh, what's the best the best, I don't think I'm the guy to answer that. I think we all went onto the field, of course. I've never met a rugby person in my life, I'm not talking any other life in my life, that went onto a field to play badly. Never. Sometimes it just happens. It happens to all of us. And I think uh, maybe, maybe the whole emotional thing, the big thing of we back in international rugby. Uh, maybe the Curry Cup did help to a certain level of rugby, but not to that level, you know. So that can that could have played a part. Um, the standard of, and we all know, certain players do fantastically on a regional level. But as soon as it's a national level, it's a different ball game. We all know that. But the thing is, we never had, um, I want to say, time to figure all these things out. It was really a smash and grab scenario. You know, let's just go because we've got the opportunity. Let's just do this. And then, of course, half the, I believe at that stage, half the country want you to lose. The other one you to win. So I, I think in all, I think in all, it was fine. <laughs> if I can put it that way, it was fine. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not the, 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 the results that we would have loved to get, but maybe, maybe that was the reality check that yes, we did survive because Peter, it's easy to survive on a one-off. It's survived. It's easy. What I mean is, we only play once. I can beat you. Doesn't matter. You could be, you could have a hundred years behind you. I can beat you. But then when you get into a scenario where you play not a once-off, it's now suddenly two, and then it becomes three, and you're not really used to that level. Put it that way. Because think about it. You know what? What? Or I'm going to put it this way. The team could only be selected on performance, what you did in a Karika. Now, I know all teams need to play in a league. Uh, all players need to play in a league to 
to be regarded better or not good enough. Okay, that's it. But that's why I say it's it's we 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 can debate. And I think if you talk to somebody else, he might have totally a different idea of 92. Okay, I'm giving you my idea. All I'm saying to you, it wasn't easy. I think emotionally it was a little bit more draining than we might anticipate it. Uh, but at the end, I did experience all the players that went on that tour actually went out to give his best for that moment. What is the funniest moment on that tour? Uh, I, I, I believe we spend more times in McDonald's than anybody else. So I don't think too many funny moments. Uh, in, in the sense that, you know, it, it, it wasn't... I don't think it, 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 it was easy, put it that way. Um, you know, um, we struggled a little bit with the food. As I mentioned to you, one or two hotels. Um, we didn't have the best uh, from the referees. So I think, I think in a way, I gather there were very light moments around a lot of guys and whatever, whatever. But uh, I think, Peter, maybe, maybe too, maybe too, uh, try too hard to to actually do something well on a rugby field. Um, so I gather. Other guys, see, I'm not, I'm not the funniest guy, to be honest. So I'm not around the jokers the whole time. Um, so uh, I think, I think uh, that question to somebody else might give you something that you think, oh, okay, that is quite funny. Now, after that tour, you didn't retire immediately. Am I correct in saying that you went to go play in Italy? Yeah, I played in Italy. I played in Italy. I played six years in Italy. I still played for Rivigo after that. Um, the thing is, you know, I think uh, uncertainty also, in a way, forced you to make decisions, put it that way. Uh, then know where, what's the next step. Um, I felt at that stage, maybe it was the better idea to, to, to retire. Um, if I was ready for retirement, how would we ever know? You know, um, I think I think I think life is just a lot easier today in in that sense because you came out of a total amateur era, okay, uh, dominated by individuals off the field and not really players on the field. Because if you think at the end, what is your product? Your product's rugby. What gives you rugby? Players gives you rugby nobody else okay uh, and and i think i think at that stage because of where rugby was um it was more i think people off the field that that sort of run the show didn't always agree with how they did that but i gather it's still the same it's always going to be the same you know People on the outside think they do the best for the game. People on the outside uh, and the inside think they can do more for the game. You know, so where do you draw the line? Um, and even, uh, and I did mention it uh, earlier to you, 
and even there, it's the thing is, whatever you do, is it for the better of the game or is it worse than you anticipated? That's all. That's the, those questions we need to keep answering. And, and that's, what, that's what I love about the World Cup. Now, the question is, why didn't they start the World Cup in the 50s? I'm just asking a question. Why we only started in 87? Why? Because of this whole attitude that you will never play rugby for money. And what's wrong with that? Look at a game today. Is it a bad game? No. Do the players deserve? I think they deserve more. That's, that's the way I look at it. Uh, somebody had to break the ice. I gather all the players, all the players that played in the amateur era, had a contribution to where rugby is today. But is everything fine in rugby at the moment? I wouldn't think so. I think there are so many laws that absolutely is destroying the game. And now, now people that make those laws would think, who the hell is he to say that? You know, uh, I think they can change quite a bit. And I think we can have actually a great game again because of some games that I watch, it's like, you know, I always say, and you know what I'm talking about because you've been in a sporting environment for a very long time. Um, you know, sometimes you look at a game and you think, oh, 90 minutes is gone, 80 minutes is gone. Can't believe it. And then you watch another game and it feels like it's been played over a long weekend. And you know what I'm talking about. So this is nothing new. And 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 I think seriously, there's they really need to assess where rugby is. They're talking again uh, about the World League, where the top, I think, 12 teams play and then the next 12 and then the next 12. That should have started a long time ago. They had it on the table. They voted it out. Why? Nobody understands why. And, and I would love to see that happen. Why? Because I'm assisting in India uh, with their rugby. Um, and I would like to see where they fit in in the bigger picture. And what do you need to do to start moving up or forward in your whole, I want to say, in your whole plan? To say, okay, but if we at this level and we do the next, 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 we can actually get to a better level. That is what it's all about. But sometimes when people vote against, because I thought it was a brilliant idea, when they vote against things like that, I think, but what are you doing actually in rugby? You know, is rugby just what we know? And we accept that's what we know and we don't want to be better. I love American football and I love all American sports, okay? And if you take, take American football, it's, you know that. It's an absolute billion dollar industry. You know that. I don't need to convince you on anything. I believe rugby has the potential to be an absolutely serious billion dollar industry why because we've got a great game i think we have good administrators not always everyone but i believe there are some that's really good 
Uh, I think if we tweak a couple of the laws, make it a simpler game, make it easier for the refs, because you know and I know how it works. You win a game, it's a good team. You lose the game, it's the bad ref. Okay? And, and all those things. If we really, really sit around the table and we decide, okay, how are we going to make this a global game? You know soccer is a global game. You've got the World Cup in a couple of months in, your, uh, in Qatar. You, you know that. Why is rugby not a global game? Is it too complicated? Because rugby, think about it, Peter, rugby is the only sport, I would say, that fits all shapes and sizes. Not everyone. Maybe American football, yes, whatever, but, but I mean rugby. Rugby actually accommodates everybody. Why is it then not a global game? Is it the way we manage the game? Or is it the way we play the game? Is it not attractive enough? Now, those questions we need to start asking and we need to find solutions. How do we bring Asia into another level of rugby expectations? You know, now people would say, yeah, okay, but is, or I'm going to ask the question, is rugby about the six nations and the four nations? Is that what rugby is all about? Then if it is like that, then tell everybody it's like that. But I know the guys sitting there believe it's not about that. It is actually a global game. But then we need to seriously make a decision. How are we going to make it a global game? And, and the other problem that I do have, we have a part of rugby that's absolutely professional. And we have a part that's an amateur. And I believe somewhere along the line, you need the feeding ground to have a successful professional scenario. Otherwise, it's not possible. But what I see sometimes, then I think we're talking a professional game, but we're not acting professional in the means and ways we're doing things. And I think that's where, that's where we also need to make sure that the professional unit should be an absolute professional unit. And an amateur scenario should be an absolute amateur scenario. Don't get the two mixed. And you know that at the moment. It's extremely mixed in rugby. Why is it not mixed in American football? Why is it not mixed in American basketball? Why is it... You, you, you understand what I'm saying. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not hit the like button? Okay, Nas, we're going to wrap up this interview with a technical question that involves place kicking, something that you're an expert on. So years ago, I was taught that you place the ball upright on the kicking tee, and then what you're looking to do is hit the sweet spot, which is sort of around there, and that would then give you the best distance, etc. Correct, correct. Now, what I've noticed is, especially international level, also franchise, provincial, is that what they do these days, most of them anyway, is they place the ball at an angle, and then it seems to me that they're looking to make contact with the bottom of the ball. I'm keen to hear from you, firstly, what your thoughts are on the difference between the two techniques. And secondly, whether or not you endorse that second option. I'm going to start uh, with answering the last part. Okay. Will I endorse that? No. Okay. 
I believe that there are different techniques. We can't all kick the same. I believe that kicking coaches, as they, as we all know them now, should should do the following. They should take what you have, and there are certain things you have to do correctly to be, let's say, a successful or a high percentage kicker. That's it. You get guys, one day they kick one out of eight, the next day they kick seven out of eight. Okay. The problem is the techniques they're using or the excuses they're giving us is absolutely incorrect. Okay. You take, I'm going to give you a little bit and you can you can decide what you want to use. You take uh, a touch kick. You keep the you catch the ball, like I'm going to show you now. You catch the ball, you keep it in front of you. You keep it in front of you. Why? Because you need to scan where the pressure is coming from. Then you decide where you're going to place the ball, and then you're going to kick the ball, like the old torpedoes. And you know and I know, only in Ireland, and once or twice I've seen it in France, you find a torpedo. You know, everybody takes the ball, drop it next to his body, next to his body, so he's got absolutely no view what's going on in front of him. Absolutely no. And that's why, Peter, you see too many charged down kicks lately, because they have absolutely no idea what's in front of them. The question I raised was, why do you do that? And they said, oh, it's a safe kick. It's not a safe kick. Because if it was a safe kick, you would have no charge downs. So it's a high risk. But, but, you can only teach me what you know. You can't teach me anything else. And if you don't know the right technique, you can't teach me the right technique. And then, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, because we're showing so many games on TV, the youngsters see how the international players do it, and they copy them. Rightly or wrongly, they copy them. So that's one, okay? Going back to your place kicking. If you put the ball upright, your sweet spot is like this. If you lean it forward, as you can see now, your sweet spot becomes this. Okay? That's why, that's why, go and have a look. Your better kickers always had the ball upright because a ball should go straight, but it should be, let's say, a nice little draw. Just a nice little draw. Okay? Now, you know and I know by putting it leaning forward, the ball is supposed to go straighter, longer. That's all it is, straighter and longer. Okay, But the important thing is, imagine, I don't know if you play golf, I don't know, okay, the best iron to eat is a seven iron, because it just feels the easiest. Uh, three iron is a little bit longer, nine iron is a little bit shorter, 
driver is a little bit longer, you put that ball on the ground and you hit a 7-9 and 90%, if you can hit off a golf ball, you'll hit a decent shot. Okay? Now, imagine you take a ball and you put it on a tee like this. Now, just biologically, okay, scientifically, <laughs> explain to me how the body can stay in one position. Of course, the body needs to drop over. Why? Because I need my foot needs to be this high off the ground. So it can't be a natural follow through. You know, so that's why it's I've got so many questions, but I gather there's smarter people out there that knows a lot more about kicking than I do. I'm not taking anything away from them. I want to answer your question. You know, if I want to kick a ball straight, straight to you, okay, everything should be in a line. Then I can kick the ball to you. But if you move 10 meters left, I just take my whole body and I move it 10 meters left and I kick it straight. How can you drop something next to your body? The leg follows through like this and you think the ball is going to go straight. That in golf sense, you hitting or you standing and hitting a fake. But you want the ball to go straight. If you can explain that to me, you're definitely smart, smarter than me because I can't figure it out. And that's why I say, bringing you back to the first or second remark I gave you. You can only teach me what you know. And if you don't know, just don't know. And then what I love is you can see a guy can kick a ball. You can see it. You don't need to fix anything. Nothing. Then you see another guy, maybe a little thing, just a little thing. I was kicking at Newlands one day. Listen to this. I was kicking. And I kept missing the ball left. Okay? And a hooker, a rugby hooker, okay, sat behind me. And he said, why, why are you dipping in your left hip? Oh, okay. just saw I'm doing this. After that, I stayed up straight, then miss another kick. You see? Now, that's what you need to do. But I believe too many coaches want you to kick the way he kicked. I don't think that's going to be successful. You talk to golfers, and I've spoken to how many golfers in my life, okay? They all, they're number ones in the world. What's the next comment? I want to change my swing. Six months later, they're not in the top 100. You know what I'm talking about. You've been around soccer, uh, around sports, soccer, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, it just doesn't work. Then you get place kickers. Kicking a fade and then a draw. Go and have a look. Go and look, have a look at their averages. It's never going to be higher than 85. Why? Because if you don't hit that fade perfectly every time, it's ending up on the corner flag. Definitely not through the goalpost. 
And that's that's the thing. And if I can come and watch some soccer, I will show you kicking is the easiest part of rugby if you know how to do it. The answer really is the closer the ball can get to the ground. That's why I use sand quite a bit. Okay, the closer it can get to the ground, the more natural the body stays. That's all it is. Okay, but you've seen guys standing forward, leaning forward, then dropping this, then doing this. Go and ask any golfer what will they say on a drive? Try and stay tall. Same in rugby, same in kicking. Your hips is actually the strongest part of your body, not your leg. So if the body drops forward, you can't bring in your hips. You just can't, okay? So that means guys can't kick ball 60 or 70 meters anymore because they're too far forward and the leg is working on its own. Instead of kicking is coming out of the hips, not out of the leg. Nice, a very big thank you from me to you. It was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby and hopefully we can have you on again in the future. You're more than welcome. Thanks for the invite. Next time on Front Row Rugby, Rudy Fleiss-Fasachi will be my guest. Make sure you don't miss it. This Front Row Rugby episode appeared originally on YouTube. If you enjoyed this content, please consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. See you next time.